Now it's time to take a sports break, a look at sports history on a daily basis. Hello, my friends of sports history. This is Darren Hayes of the Sports Jersey Dispatch Podcast. Welcome once again to the Pig Pen, your place for all things great in sports history. And welcome to your sports break for this April 20th, as we will talk about some of the greatest events and people associated with sports history that happen to be associated with the date of April 20th. And before we do, let's make sure you are well aware of our newsletter. It comes out each and every day about 6.30 a.m., delivered for free into your email inbox. Simple to sign up for. Just go to the the show notes of this podcast to sign up or to pigskindispatch.com or jerseydispatch.com and we'll let you know everything that's going on in the pig pen as well as sports history for each day of the year totally free cancel anytime now let's get into some of our events that are associated with april 20th we're going to start off in pigskin dispatch today in the date of april 20th 1888 the University of Notre Dame's football team played its second official game on the gridiron at South Bend, Indiana's Green Stocking Ballpark. Notre Dame played the University of Michigan that game, and the Wolverines triumphed in the game 26-6, and the two teams would play again the following day. In 1944, on April 20th, the NFL legalized coaching from the bench. Now, this is kind of something that sounds very strange to us today, but back before 1944, pre-World War II, coaches were not allowed to coach from the bench. It was okay when players came to the sideline. It was okay at halftime and pregame, but during the game, big no-no. It uh, was officialized by Commissioner Elmer Layden at the time, on that April 20th day. In 1945, on this day, the Cleveland Browns organization was formed by Arthur Mickey McBride. Mickey acquired the franchise in the all-new All-America Football Conference that would begin playing in the 1946 season, according to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. McBride's first act after acquiring a team was to hire a coach and general manager, and he did both with one swoop selection, one man, Paul Brown. And we know what happened from there. They ended up winning all four titles in the AFC, joined the NFL in 1950, won an NFL championship there, and played in a bunch more, and even won a bunch more, but they won their very first one in the NFL, too, in 1950. Tremendous. Now, on April 20th, 2002, the NFL draft had Fresno State quarterback David Carr appearing as the first pick by the Houston Texans. Also in this draft, Julius Peppers uh, was the second selection by the Carolina Panthers, followed by Joey Harrington, Mike Williams, and Quentin Jammer to round out the top five. How about some football Hall of Fame birthdays? First of all, April 20th, 1893 in Dunkirk, New York, not far from where I live. Cornell's top tier end from 1913 to 1915, Murray Shelton was born. Shelton and Big Red Captain quarterback Charles Barrett made up an efficient and deadly passing combination which relied heavily upon intelligence and instinct. Remember, they're playing 1913 to 1915. That's only seven years after the forward pass was adopted in college football and legalized. And 1912 was really when it became more like what we know it today. Prior to that, it was uh, almost everything that you did with a forward pass was probably bad, very infrequent to be good stuff. And uh, he was put in the National uh, Football Foundation, put him into the College Football Hall of Fame in 1973. And uh, what a tremendous player he was. On April 20th, 1915, 
Petersburg, Virginia. Duke University standout halfback from 1936 to the 1938 seasons, Eric the Red Tipton arrived in this world. And Tipton was good at many things on a gridiron, but his punting skills may have been at the forefront. The footballfoundation.org bio on Tipton tells of a game against the University of Pittsburgh in 1938, and Coach Clark Shaughnessy describes it as one of his top 12 moments witnessed on the field of play. Shaughnessy described it vividly, writing, quote, Tipton was a one-man show. The game was played on ice and snow in Durham, North Carolina, before a record crowd, and I doubt that anybody ever kicked a ball more skillfully or consistently then the grim, square-jawed Tipton that afternoon. Seven of his punts left Pitt within its own 10-yard line, while another seven stopped dead or went out of bounds inside the 20. Final score, Duke 7, Pitt nothing. Definitely made a difference that day and made a difference for those three years he played at Duke, and so much so that the College Football Hall of Fame play, proudly placed a display of honor for Eric Tipton in their legendary museum in 1965. Also born this day, Ernie Stautner was born in 1925 in Prinzingcham, Bavaria. He's a stout defensive end from Boston College. Ended up being the first choice of the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, their second overall selection in the 1950 NFL Draft. And Stautner anchored a formidable D-line in the Steel City for 14 seasons. He was an All-NFL player four times in the back half of the 1950s, winning the honor of Best NFL Lineman in 1957 and played in nine Pro Bowl games. Stoughton recovered 23 opponents' fumbles and took part in creating three safeties during his dominant career, and Ernie Stoughton was enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1969. In 1926, on the 20th of April, Amarillo, Texas, Hub Bechtel, the end that played for both Texas Tech in 1943 and the University of Texas from 1944 to 46, was born. The reason for Hub's transfer was that he enlisted in the Navy's V-12 program, and due to it being facilitated out of Texas, he had to leave Tech. As far as playing football, the Football Foundation states that Bechtel made the AP All-American team in 1944, and then in 1945 and 46 was selected on six All-America squads, making him the first Southwest Conference player to become a three-time All-America. The College Football Hall of Fame inducted Hub Bechtel in 19. In 1929, on April 20th, Lynn, Massachusetts, Harry Aganis, the Boston University quarterback from 1949 to 1951 and 52, uh, was born, and Harry's often referred to as the Golden Greeks, and his emergence as a player for the Terriers coincided with BU arising as a football team to be reckoned with. He had some many great games he played there, and so much so that he was inducted in the College Football Hall of Fame in 1974. Also born in 1935 on April 20th, Los Angeles, California, University of Southern California's brilliant halfback from 1954 to 56, Jaguar John Arnett was born. He uh, ended up having a great career, 6.3 yards per rush, and led Troy in scoring with 43 points and even threw a touchdown pass uh, and rushed for 625 yards in 1955. College Football Hall of Fame inducted him in 2001. 
On April 20th, 1945, Miami Beach, Florida, the University of Florida's fine quarterback Steve Spurrier was born, 1966 Heisman Trophy Award winner, and the National Football Foundation selected Steve Spurrier for entrance in the College Football Hall of Fame in 1986 as a player, but he also made it into the Hall of Fame as a coach. Spurrier began his 26-year head coaching career at Duke in 1987-89. He was the ACC Coach of the Year in both 88-89 and his 1989 team won the university's first ACC title since 1962 and made its first bowl appearance in 1960. He later became the head coach of his alma mater, Florida, in 1990, compiling a 122-27-1 record over 12 seasons in the Swamp. And he brought the Gators back to prominence and uh, had some great teams with some great players there at, at Florida, just like he was when he played there. And so some great things there. Now, we also have plenty to talk about from other realms of sports in April 20th. And we go to jerseydispatch.com for this, our home website. And we have the birth of a Hall of Famer, Dave Bancroft. He was born April 20th, 1891 in Sioux City, Iowa. He was a Baseball Hall of Fame shortstop and manager. He played in the Major League Baseball for the Philadelphia Phillies, New York Giants, Boston Braves, and the Brooklyn Robins between 1915 and 1930. He was part of the Giants World Series Championships teams of 1921 and 22, and he also uh, was part of the National League pennant winning teams of 1915 and 1923. Bancroft was elected in the Baseball Hall of Fame by the Veterans Committee in 1971. And Vyacheslav Festifov, born on April 20, 1958 in Moscow, Russia, was a Hockey Hall of Fame defenseman. Now, he played for the HCCSKA Moscow for 13 seasons before joining the National Hockey League, where he played with the New Jersey Devils and the Detroit Red Wings. Now let's talk some events that happened in April 20th in sports history. The first one took place in 1910, and Cleveland Naps pitcher Addie Joss tossed his second career no-hitter as he and the Naps closed out the Chicago White Sox by the score of 1-0. The future Hall of Famer, Addie, remarkably, only is credited with one strikeout in that game. Joss had a nine-year career ERA of 1.89 and claimed the best earned run average in Major League Baseball in two separate seasons. On April 20th, 1920, Philadelphia's Philly skipper Gravi Cravath entered himself into the lineup as a pinch hitter. Unbelievable, in his at bat, Cravath belted a three run home run as the Phils blanked the New York Giants 3 2, reportedly shortly before the heroics in the batter's box. Manager Cravath was on the verge of being ousted from the game for arguing with an umpire. Now, in 1939, on the 20th of April, Ted Williams, number nine and a legend of the Boston Red Sox, has a historic milestone in his career. Williams had his first Major League Baseball hit of his day off of the New York Yankees fellow future Hall of Famer, Red Ruffing, who wore number 15 that day in Boston's 2-0 opening day defeat at Yankee Stadium in New York City. Now, we've got some more baseball history of the day. And this comes from the This Day in Baseball History website. Uh, we have a link to that on our website, jerseydispatch.com. And April 20th, 1938, the Cleveland Indians pitcher, number 14, Bob Feller, pitched the first of his 12 career one-hitters. Now, Feller would uh, change his number there, but he wore number 14 that 1938 season. 
April 20th, 1939, for the first time in club history, the Philadelphia A's wore numbers on their uniforms. That's a big day for them. It's uh, back when baseball was uh, just starting to get those numbers on the jerseys. April 20th, 1986, we have this coming from the NBA.com website. Chicago Bulls guard and legendary number 23, Michael Jordan scored an NBA playoff record 63 points, but the Bulls dropped the game 135 to 131 in double overtime decision to the Celtics at the Boston Gardens in Game 2 of the Eastern Conference first round. Jordan shot 22 of 41 from the field and 19 of 21 from the free throw line in his record performance. Breaking number 22, Elgin Baylor's previous mark of 61 points in a playoff game. Set during the Lakers' 126-121 road win at Boston in Game 5 of the 1962 NBA Finals. And on April 20th, 1999, Washington Wizards number 33, Otis Thorpe, became the 16th player in NBA history to compile 15,000 career points and 10,000 career rebounds during the Wizards' 83-77 loss at the Chicago Bulls. Now we go on to the ice and the VintageHockeyJerseys.com website brings us a couple items. April 20th, 1950, the New York Rangers defeated the Detroit Red Wings 2-1 in Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Finals. Played at Olympia in Detroit, number 7, Don Raleigh became the first player to score two consecutive overtime game-winning goals in NHL history when he scored the overtime winner. And the Rangers lost that series, though, in seven games. In 1965, on the 20th of April, the Montreal Canadiens defeated the Chicago Blackhawks 2-0 in Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Finals. Number 4, Jean Bellevue scored one goal and added an assist to give him 100 career points in 93 Stanley Cup playoff games. Quite an amazing feat, quite an amazing day, and we thank you for joining us for this great sports history and your sports break on jerseydispatch.com and the Sports Jersey Dispatch podcast. We hope you join us every day for more great sports history, and we really thank you for your time and thanks for your focus. And thanks to vintagehockeyjerseys.com, baseball, uh, thisdayinbaseball.com and nba.com as well as on this day and uh, many other great sites like uh, sports reference baseball reference dot com pro football reference and hockey reference as well as basketball reference.com thank you to all those sites thank you for joining us and tune in tomorrow and uh, we'll bring you some more great sports history but till then have a great sports history day Sorry, but my pitching coach just called timeout. He's coming out to the mound. I think I'm going to get yanked for a reliever. We'll see you back tomorrow for some more great sports history on Sports Jersey Dispatch Podcast. We invite you to check out our websites, jerseydispatch.com and pigskindispatch.com. Not only see the daily sports history, but to experience the preservation of great events and people that play the games. Find us on Pigskin Dispatch. It's also on social media outlets of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel. Get all your daily sports history. Pigskin Dispatch is happy to be associated with the Sports History Network, the sports headquarters of yesteryear, found at sportshistorynetwork.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com.